Applied podcast presented by WSL Leadership Coaching. This is a podcast where I give you some summaries and application ideas for awesome books to help you be more fabulous in your work, sport, or life. I'm your host, Iggy Perillo. Today's book we're talking about is Deep Work, Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World. This is by Cal Newport. We're going to talk about a bunch of ideas Cal spits out in this book, and a lot of them he moves into exactly how to apply them. we got a little data information first. Definition, for example, deep work. He defines this as professional activities performed in a state of distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive capabilities to their limit. These efforts create new value, improve your skill, and are hard to replicate. By comparison, we have shallow work. Non-cognitively demanding logistical-style tasks often performed while distracted. These efforts tend to not create much new value in the world and are easy to replicate. So we have these two things, deep work, shallow work. The main idea is deep work seems satisfying and awesome. Shallow work doesn't, isn't super awesome and doesn't add much value to your life. The whole point is that if you are in the new economy, information economy, information society, you need to be able to quickly master hard things and to produce at an elite level in terms of both quality and speed. So in order to survive and thrive in the new economy, according to Cal Newport, you need to be able to do deep work because it helps you do both of those things. And he gets around to this a little bit later on in the book. Not everyone can just quit their job and go on and pick a type of work that's very satisfying and meaningful for them. So the other value of deep work comes from being able to apply the principles of deep work to whatever position, job, task, thing you're already doing in order to drive more fulfillment from the task, job, situation you're in currently. Instead of saying, quit your job, go find your dream, whatever, you might find more meaningful, practical fulfillment from the job you have employing the strategies of deep work. So two points of usefulness already. Back to a little of the science side. Newport says an intense focus on a specific skill causes more myelin growth around those neurons, which results in cementing the skill in your brain. He's talking about your brain science here. Myelin grows around neurons in your brain. But distracted focus fires too many neuron circuits simultaneously and keeps myelin bonds from forming. So if you are able to intensely focus on a skill, more skill development over time is cemented versus distracted focus, which makes sense. Thinking about lots of different things, firing lots of neurons, not much melanin growth. You're actually not practicing or learning that skill very efficiently or quickly. He says high quality work produced equals the time spent multiplied by the intensity of focus. So just time spent on work doesn't result in quality. So you need time plus focus to result in quality work. He also says we have attention residue, which is the attention left on previous tasks when switching to a new task. And so deep work optimizes your performance by reducing attention residue and helping you engage in that high quality work over time. He mentions the principle of least resistance, which is basically that if we don't have anything better to do, we're going to do the easiest task in the moment. That is what we're biased toward, the thing that's easy to do. And busyness as a proxy for productivity so if we don't have clear indicators of what it means to be productive, we regress to this idea of doing lots of stuff in a visible manner makes us look and feel productive. Maybe it's not actually productive in the long run, though, for sure. Newport says that our minds construct our worldview based on what we pay attention to. 
So deep work teaches your mind to understand your world as rich in meaning and importance. So you're deeply connected, more meaning, more importance. And also, which is very amusing, he said that deep work and intention keep you from noticing many smaller, less pleasant things. Deep work, good focus, focuses your mind, brings your attention to meaning and importance. And as a byproduct of that, less important things are less noticeable. Newport throws out a reference to Mihaly Sixcent Mihaly, who described and defined and researched what flow state is for people. Sixcent Mihaly said, when the mind is stretched to its limits in a voluntary effort to accomplish something difficult and worthwhile, we have flow state, and that's our best moments. Deep work is well situated to generate the flow state, and flow state generates happiness. So building your working life around the experience of flow produced by deep work is a proven path to deep satisfaction. More flow state comes from more deep work, equals more happiness, more satisfaction. Fantastic. Seems very clear. So Newport says you don't need a rarefied, special, sacred job. You instead need a rarefied approach to your work. And to embrace deep work in your own career and to direct it toward cultivating your skill is an effort that can transform a knowledge work job from a distracted, draining obligation into something satisfying. The question then is, how do you create this sense of satisfaction? He has four rules. Rule number one, work deeply. That seems like a good one, hence the title of this whole book, right? Don't worry, he breaks it down a lot more. Part of working deeply means deciding on your depth philosophy for deep work scheduling. He talks about people who are monastic. They maximize deep effort by radically minimizing shallow obligations. Cut off everything else in a very radical, minimizing way. Go someplace else, unplug everything else, do the one thing. That's one deep work philosophy for scheduling. Another deep work scheduling philosophy is bimodal, which is some dedicated deep work time and some open to everything else time. So there's a minimum unit of, for deep work that seems to be about a day. And it works well if you define when you're available outside of deep work times, and then you have some set deep work stretches. He also talks about the scheduling philosophy called rhythmic, making deep work sessions a regular habit, also known as the chain method. You can have a set Start time for daily deep work. The journalistic scheduling philosophy, where you switch to deep work mode whenever it fits your schedule. And this requires some practice to go deep quickly and requires some confidence in your abilities and in the importance of outcomes. So those are the deep work scheduling philosophies. Monastic, one thing, just do it all, nothing else. Bimodal, switch back and forth, have kind of a schedule on that. Rhythmic. Make it a habit on a daily basis. Journalistic. Just whenever it fits your schedule. Do it when you can. To do deep work, Newport says, you need to ritualize how you get into the process. And rituals minimize the friction of going deep. They also kind of can dictate where you'll work and how long, how you'll support your work, if you need food, other structures, things like that. So the ritual of how you structure your day around deep work will help. He also suggests making grand gestures, leveraging a radical change in your normal environment with investment dedicated towards supporting deep work. You increase the perceived importance of the work, which increases motivation and energy and decreases procrastination. So radical change in your normal environment with investment dedicated towards supporting deep work might be changing the place you work at all of a sudden, changing all of your habits around what you're doing to add a sense of importance to this thing you're doing. Wearing your deep work tie. I don't know what it is, but maybe a grander gesture than that. Making a very big announcement, this is my deep work time. Making it huge adds importance, will increase motivation, energy, decrease procrastination. 
He also offers that you don't have to work alone. You can have hub-and-spoke offices that allow for some connection and some depth alone. Both collaborating with others can push each other to work deeper and more deeply. Another part of working deeply is executing like a business. It says there are four disciplines of execution. Focus on the wildly important, the few big important goals. Act on the lead measures, which is attention to improving behaviors you directly control in the near future. They'll have a positive impact on your long-term goals. So the lead measures, the things leading up to what you want to have done, not the response for what you do and the feedback on that on the back end. Next is keeping a compelling scoreboard, tracking lead measures publicly, keeping track of deep work and milestones. And the last of the four ways to execute like a business are creating a cadence of accountability, which are meetings, check-ins, reviewing the scoreboard and commitments. And that's where execution really happens, that you have that accountability cadence that goes through. So to execute like a business, we got focus on the wildly important, act on lead measures, keep a compelling scoreboard, and create a cadence of accountability. His next one, though, which is seems initially counterintuitive completely, is to be lazy. By being lazy, he says to retreat from shallow busyness, at times at least, to idleness. So unplugging from work at the end of the day, downtime aids insights, you need some unconscious thought time. Downtime helps, you know, recharge your energy, obviously, for deep work. Spending time in nature can improve your ability to concentrate. He talks about attention restoration theory. Work done during the evening downtime is not that important, usually. A novice, he says, can only do one hour of deliberate practice a day, an expert up to four hours. And deliberate practice ability is depleted by evening time, so your quality of deep work can't possibly be done very well in the evening anyway, so don't work then. Be lazy. Let yourself rest and recharge. And to do this, he says to develop a shutdown ritual, analyzing incomplete tasks, making a plan for completion, making sure it's captured in a place to be revisited when the time is right. And when you're done, say a phrase to yourself to indicate that you're done. It lets your mind release the work thoughts for the rest of the day. So that's all about how to make a more satisfying job. Rule number one, working deeply, deciding on your depth philosophy of deep work scheduling, being ritualized, making grand gestures, not working alone executing like a business, and being lazy. It's pretty clear to see how all these things will help you get to that distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive abilities to their limit. For deep work to work for you, I would pick some of these that are easy for you to integrate into your life already. Maybe scheduling is going to be important. Identifying that ritual to get your mind ready and prepared to go deep. The grand gestures help other people know that that's what you're doing in some ways and helps you know that that's what you're doing. I think that will build some confidence and competence there. Same with having other coworkers. If you have someone to work with, push each other to go deep and be more engaged together. Executing like a business sounds like a lot of metrics that you're going to dig up and keep track of. I'm an advocate of the being lazy part, specifically around making sure there's time and breaks in your day to not be working. When I see folks eating and trying to work at the same time, I tell them that makes their life shorter, which is maybe not true. But it doesn't let their brain recharge and rest, as well as shutting down at night. If you're working late into the night, you're not doing anything productive. You're not deeply working. Your body is depleted. And the effect of that work is probably not as valuable as if you slept and came back and got back at it on the following day. Rule number two of how to be satisfied in your life and work is to embrace boredom, he says. This will help you improve your deep work limit by improving your ability to concentrate and overcoming your desire for distraction. Schedule time for distractions, and by this he mainly means the internet. 
and keep track of the time that you're going to set to be on the internet, be distracted, and work to diminish switching between actual tasks. Because that switching, like you talked about in the beginning, creates that shallow work and sense of distraction. The myelin isn't being formed when you keep switching between tasks. He talks about Roosevelt dashes, which he describes as brief, high-intensity deadline workouts. It becomes interval training for your attention capabilities of your brain. You're able to focus on short sprints of time to get things done. So these dashes are helpful with that. Newport's also a big fan of productive meditation, which is focusing on a single problem while walking or running. It helps you review different variables, identify next steps and questions, consolidate gains, things like that. So that meditation step happens while you're in motion, while you're doing something else, but it lets your brain focus and filter through important things. That is rule number two, how to embrace boredom, which is mainly focusing on distraction times and sprints of deep time and intense deadlines, productive time while you're not actively doing your work. Rule number three he has for satisfied life is quit social media, and he really means it. He talks about how people can approach social media with this any benefit sort of approach. If anything has any value, do it. You want it. Uh, Which ends up being a lot of social media, perhaps. As opposed to the any benefit approach is the craftsman approach, where you find the right tool to do the right thing, and you adopt that tool only if it has positive impacts, and those substantially outweigh the negative impacts, which are a lot of times being distracted and not able to do deep work. The right tool for the job, the craftsman approach, versus the any benefit approach, do it all. As part of quitting social media, he said, put more thought into your leisure time. Like, be intentional about what you're doing with your leisure. That will probably help you also quit social media and live a life. (laughs) Rule four, how to feel successful and fulfilled, is to drain the shallows. So if we have one to four hours of deep work is maximum per day, by eliminating the shallow work, you allow more time for deep work. And so we're not good at estimating how much we spend our time And so he dives into some ways to really get into figuring out how much time you spend doing shallow work versus how much time you have even available to do deep work. And part of that, he suggests scheduling every minute of your day and assigning blocks of time for any batch of tasks and revising those blocks as new tasks appear during the day, setting a shallow work time budget and then sticking to it. How much time are you going to spend doing shallow work for the day? Finishing your work on a fixed schedule then that helps you estimate and use your time more efficiently and put some of that pressure on he talks about earlier for scheduling pressure. He also suggests becoming hard to reach. So making people who send you an email do more work, sending auto responses with, I might not respond or I'll respond to proposals that are good for me or in some way that people have to know that you might not respond and that it'll be on your timeline, not their timeline. So he suggests doing more work when you send emails to other folks And so as you get in an email, understanding what the project is that this email is about, like what you want to get done, but then to focus yourself on the process of how to bring this project to a conclusion efficiently. So you've identified the project, what it is you're trying to do. Think of a process that gets to the, from the current state to the desired outcome with the minimal number of emails back and forth, back and forth, and then write a reply with the process and where you stand on that process. So for this, he, for example, suggested If someone writes you, hey, let's have a meeting next week, blah, blah, blah. He would say, cool, here's the process for how we're going to decide. I'm going to offer you three options and you're going to pick one. And then he offers three options. You better pick one in that next email and move on. Like there's not a lot of back and forth about, what about Friday? Okay, Tuesday works for me, whatever. Making that process super efficient when you respond to emails, like a little more work on your end, but then there's only two emails, not 20. Uh, He also suggests to drain the shallows, just don't respond. If it's not meaningful, if it's not useful, 
if it's not interesting to you. Nothing good would happen if you don't respond, and nothing really good would happen if you did respond. Don't respond. Just let things go. So let's talk a little bit more about how to apply these ideas of deep work to make your life more awesome and feel more success and focused in your distracted world. Many of us, in fact, everyone has a part of our job that we don't like the most. We all have a least favorite part. Maybe it's an actively terrible part, or maybe it's just the most annoying part of your job. Newport would suggest maybe you need to engage with that part of your job in a deep work style. And that style of deep work will result in creating new value and improving your skill, making you feel more satisfied. I've definitely worked with people who are intentional about their sort of deep work scheduling. And maybe it's a little bit grand gestures and maybe it's a little bit monastic, but they go to their sort of deep work hideout where no one can find them and no one can interrupt them and they can do the task at hand that they don't like doing. Or that's maybe taxing or difficult, or maybe it's a task that they know requires focus. So they create an environment around them that creates that type of focus. Go and hide in your deep work hideout. I've also seen people make these grand gestures of, I'm not paying attention to anything else right now. I'm focused on this thing and cutting off other people around them. So this idea of this is my deep work time or this is my focused learning time, not a time for interruptions, not a time for chit chat or other things. And so there's different signals people give off, you know, a sign on their door, uh, different ways that they communicate. This is their time to work deeply and they're not available for other things. I've told you before about my interaction with folks that are not lazy enough. I mean, it's hard to accept being lazy for some of us, I'm sure but not giving themselves enough time to recharge and recover from the day of work. I've definitely talked with folks about a shutdown ritual at the end of the day, how to leave a checklist maybe for the next day, or how to wrap up tasks in a way that they'll be easy to pick up in the future. Maybe you have a a job that's sort of ongoing and it's not a defined task that you can just wrap up in one day, but you need to come to a stopping point and then let yourself be satisfied with that stopping point for the day knowing that that's where you can pick up in the future when the time is right or when it's, you know, you have more time available to do deep work. And the idea of shutting down and making that list, making those notes, whatever the format is going to be for you, whatever the ritual essentially is for you, lets your mind let that go. And then you are able to relax and focus on the next thing. You don't have a little piece of your brain trying to remember how to keep track of the details from the day, for example. I've definitely worked with folks who schedule time for distractions in their life, and specifically the internet being one of them, by limiting their access to certain social media sites during the day or being intentional about using a crappy older computer that's not even connected to the internet. Who knew? You can actually turn off the internet if you don't need it for your work, if that's going to be distracting for you during the day. I've definitely seen people try all of those. And by doing this, you're improving your ability to concentrate and overcoming that desire for distraction. So you will be able to engage in more deep work and have a longer deep work practice and longer deep work sessions where you're feeling more fulfilled and more satisfied. And being intentional about when those distractions are going to happen. Here's when my office hours are. Here's when my door is open. Here's the signal for when my door is closed. I'm working when distractions are not possible. And those specific dashes of hard work to meet a deadline or something like that can help train you to work more deeply, more efficiently over time. If you're one of those people that feel like you need social media, but it's not healthy or good for you in some ways in terms of doing your work, in terms of getting done what you want to get done, just go ahead and read his whole section on quitting social media. He really breaks down how to assess whether something's helpful for you or not helpful for you. And maybe you don't need 20 different social media sites. Maybe one or two are enough, and maybe you can still limit those when you interact with them, when those are appropriate distractions from your deep work. 
Or like the title said, just quit all social media. Then it won't be distracting or a bother for you during the day. It'll give you a lot more time to for deep work for sure. And your brain won't be constantly seeking that distraction. Applying the rule also of draining the shallows seems pretty intuitive. Most folks would probably agree they wanted to spend less time doing menial, ridiculous things. But it is surprisingly difficult to cut out the things during the day that take time and effort and energy and then give you this time to do more deep work and be more intentional about it. I like the idea of scheduling. Just make a schedule for your day and stick to your schedule. At the same time, making sure you're, (laughs) yeah, just, he's kind of against social media and email. It's very funny, but just don't respond. Cut it off. Be hard to reach which in every way is going to reduce the amount of distractions you have during the day, giving you time for that focus and draining off that shallow menial task. We talked about outsourcing too. What of your day can you pawn off on someone else? What of your work is not really moving you forward to do what you want to do? Or what do you need to work more deeply at? What of these shallow things should be deep work things? Which of these distractions are the thing that you actually should engage in with a deep process in order to be more fulfilled in doing them? To sum up, Cal Newport says, deep work helps you thrive in the new economy. Being able to go deep, learn quickly, perform at an elite level, deep work is going to be the way that makes that happen. I'm sure you can think of parts of your world, parts of your work that you could engage in more deeply. Maybe you haven't thought about it. Maybe you've just treated this piece of your work as a shallow task. It needs to be a deep task. Maybe you haven't given yourself the right setup, the right situation to work deeply on this task, the right scheduling. Maybe you haven't embraced enough boredom to give yourself the ability to train your mind to work deeply at all. You're too focused on distractions. There's too many distractions coming in. Or maybe you just do have shallow tasks you can get rid of to give yourself that space and time to work more deeply on things. At the end of the day, you can integrate these deep work practices into the job you already have, the tasks you already have to take on to make them more fulfilling, make you feel more satisfied, engage in more flow state, and be more happy. This has been the Book Supplied Podcast presented by WSL Leadership Coaching. I'm Iggy Perillo again. It's been great chatting with you today. Thanks for listening. Have an awesome day.